0: You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. All right, so like David said, we've we've been in a series where we've been talking about um, just pictures of Jesus and looking at different pictures uh, of of who he is and how how that would change us or affect us. And Brian spoke um, about the beauty of the sun Four weeks ago, the beauty of the Son, the reality of Jesus as the Son is the beginning, the boundless in creativity and worthy to sit at the right hand of the Father. And David, David wrote a song, a song that sang uh, of Jesus as the beginning and the end and the author of creation, the redeemer of humanity and the king of glory. Really more of a rap though, wasn't it? Or spoken. And, and the fake British accent, just it was an emotional thing. And last week, Courtney, um, but you're getting better at it, really, every time. Last week, Courtney spoke about the the picture of Jesus in the midst of our suffering and looking at um, the suffering that we go through and how Jesus is right there with us as we suffer these things, but how he refines us and moves us towards uh, fullness and maturity in Christ. Powerful, emotional pictures of Jesus, and today... That kind of ends because I'm not an emotional person. I'm an emotional infant. Sorry about that. I'm gonna apologize. Um, but maybe it'll still be powerful. We'll pray the Holy Spirit will do that. Let's take a look at the passage. Let's look at the picture that I, I really want us to explore this morning. And um, this is Ephesians chapter one, verses 15 through 23. It's, it's a little bit long, um, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't break it up. Partly because Paul refuses to use a period um, at any point, but... Uh, <laughs> Let's just, let's just read this. This is Paul writing a letter um, to the church of the Ephesians, right? And the church in Ephesus. And what, I, what I, I, I want you to hear before we even get into this is every time that Paul says you and your, he's not talking, it's not like he's writing a letter to Timothy or he's writing to an individual. He's writing to a congregation. He's writing to a church body. He's writing to a group exactly like us. Every you, every your, he is talking about us, about a local church, about a local congregation. This is meant for us. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. God, we pray this morning that you would come that we would know your presence, that you would enlighten our hearts this morning, that you would fill us anew with the hope that you have called us into. Help us to see you more clearly this morning. Help us to see you, Jesus, more clearly. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. Find us open and willing to receive from you. Give us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. So in this passage, um, this long passage. Paul, you could tell he gets worked up, man, right? He's just excited about all that Jesus has done, and that's why, I, that's why I think he can't put a period in there, because he's just going. He's just on a roll, and so what I want to look at, you know, we have this great picture of Jesus in there, of him, of him in glory, but we see the work that he has done in us. We see all of this in that passage, but I want to look at the very end of it, Where he says that he he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul draws this correlation between Jesus and the church. More than a correlation, right? He talks about the church being the fullness of him who fills all in all. What is the church? we were to ask 10 people, what is the church? I think we'd get probably 10 different answers, 10 different flavors of different answers at least. You know, is it a building? Is is the church an activity? What's the difference between just a gathering of people and the church? And I believe Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, under God's guidance, says that the church is the fullness of Jesus who fills all in all that the the church is jesus he is the church and right now you're thinking no 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 the body jesus the head we're the body like somehow we who have been christians for a while we have no problem separating the head from the body and the body yeah that's that's the church but jesus is the head but that's not it's more than that he says he's the body but he, he goes on to say that he's the, the fullness in him he is the church and you're like okay i'm, I'm still not following you okay Stick with me. Jesus says things, do you remember at this one point Jesus starts saying some freaky things that you're not totally sure. He's talking about the Holy Spirit and he's talking about what's gonna happen and he says, I, the Father's in me and I'm in you and you're in me and, and you're like, I'm not sure what you mean, Jesus. Give me some. what do I need to do tomorrow at work? Like what's, <laughs> give me something practical. But I believe Jesus is pointing to a, a, a reality of the Holy Spirit living inside of us and the, the relationship with us for ever being changed with God, and I believe it points to the church that he makes up the difference that somehow, not only is the church the face of Jesus, but it is the fullness of Jesus who fills all in all. God chooses the church to be his instrument of ministry on the earth. His, his presence of Jesus, He chooses the church. And Jesus says that the gates of hell will not be able to stop it. That's powerful imagery for the church. Not in theory, not in concept, but in reality, Jesus and the church are united. Jesus isn't just identified with the church. He's not just aligned with the church. That somehow they are inseparable. Somehow they are indivisible. Not a lot of bodiless heads and headless bodies. That they are combined, that they are one. Later on, Paul would actually bring in the image of marriage. And he talks about the mystery of marriage. He's like, it's a mystery how two people become one. It's a mystery how two people become one flesh. But it's like Christ and the church. That's what Paul says. Just as husband and wife somehow, in some crazy way, the two become one flesh, so Christ and the church become one flesh. Indivisible. Indivisible. Hmm indivisible, unseparable. The two combine. And so, this is the hard part, the way that we treat church, it's the way we treat Jesus. That's the logical end of this. If, if, the, if it's true, and I believe it is, the way that we treat the church is the way that we treat Jesus. When we serve the church, we serve Jesus. When we persecute the church, We persecute Jesus. Okay, for some of you, you're still not sold, and so let me just draw this out for you. Saul, right? Saul's like killing Christians for a living, right? Like that's his job was to, to root out the Christians and, you know, take care of them, right? Now, he wouldn't necessarily throw the stones, but he would make sure the people were there to throw the stones to kill the Christians, right? That's Saul's job. And then what happens is Jesus shows up, Jesus literally shows up in a revelation to him and he shows himself and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? Or in the message it says this, why are you out to get me? Notice what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, why are you attacking all my followers? Why are you attacking all of my servants? Why are you out to get them? He says, why are you out to get me? Why are you persecuting me? Jesus identifies with the church to the point where he calls it me. That's the relationship. Now, none of us are probably killing Christians for a living, right? If you are, you wouldn't tell us, but that would be weird. But how do we persecute the church? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying, or you should never criticize the church, But I think we live, right now especially, there's this movement within Christianity to distance ourselves from the church. Well, you know, I love Jesus, but don't throw me in with all those other crazies. And we got some crazies at RCC. Don't throw me in with the the church. Yeah, I'm very spiritual, but, you know, don't put me in that. I think that's a form of persecution it's a form of distancing ourselves it's a form of of pointing the finger and saying them those guys don't throw me in with them because they are screwed up and jesus says why are you out to get me it's wrong for us to judge the church in a way that distances ourselves from the church it has to be constructive right it has to be in the right forum it has to build the church up That's loving the church in in, in a way that loves the way that we love Jesus. Jesus tells his disciples at one point that the world will know you by the way that you love one another. They'll know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. Now, keep in mind, he's talking to his disciples. He's saying the way that you love one another, Jesus is telling them, the way that you love the other people in your family, in my body, the way that you love them, is the way that they'll know that you're my disciples. The way that we love each other in the body, the way that we love each other in the church shows that we're his disciples. The way that we treat the church is the way that we treat Jesus. Man, I struggle with that. Like, seriously, as I'm, like, putting it together, do I really see this far-from-perfect church as jesus can i can i really can i really get up in front of the church and say this i mean i'm like putting it together i'm like a man do i really believe that but i don't think it's an accident that paul who who calls this out in the scripture paul who calls the church christ the fullness of jesus he also calls us saints i have no problem taking that title I have no problem seeing my, yeah, Paul, that's right. Yeah, saints, that's right. Thanks, I appreciate that. But the church, no, that's screwed up. <laughs> see, you, see, you see the disconnect there? And this is, um, I'm, I'm reading this book. David Gate turned me on to this uh, book called Practice Resurrection. And, and, he, and he draws out this concept of the Jesus way. The Jesus way. And I believe that this is, this is what's going on here. The Jesus way says that our identity drives our actions that our identity drives our actions, not the other way around. That we do because we are, not the other way around. We don't, it, it's not what we do that defines us. We receive that identity as saints, and because we're saints, we live differently. That's opposite. Think about it. The world will tell us that we are because of what we do. Your value is the things that you do. Your value is dependent on the things that you do not on who you are, not on your identity. But Jesus comes. Think about the Pharisees at the time who had the same goal, right? They wanted people to be more like God. They wanted people to be, live a more righteous life. But what they did was they focused on what they did. And Jesus says, no, 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 you're missing the point. Yes, we should change the way that we live our lives, but we should change because we recognize who we are, which is loved by God with a heavenly father who's not out to get us, but out to help us live the life the way that it was designed to be lived. That's the Jesus way, and we apply it to ourselves and we understand that his grace is what leads us to change. His grace is what leads us to repentance. Once we receive the fact that we're saints, we live differently, not the other way around. Now, that we apply that to ourselves all the time. Now, what about the church? Now, what about applying the Jesus way to the church just as we focus wrongly on ourselves the churches can focus on what we do and not what we are we can focus on the activities and the things that we do and not who we are and we think wrongly we think wrongly if we consider the church in terms of what it does for us or probably worse in terms of what we can do for it And as long as we think of the church in those terms, we will evaluate it in terms of how it meets our self-identified needs, the needs that we think that we have, and in terms of how it needs us or how we can help it out. But anything that we value for what it can do for us will disappoint us when it no longer does, when it no longer does those things. When we love something for what it is, at its roots, then we love in spite of what it does. Marriage. Paul goes to marriage, right? Paul's comparison of marriage and Christ in the church. I love my wife, not because of what she does, but because of who she is, because we're one, because we're united, not because of what she does. If I did that, I'm going to get let down at some point, especially if she loved me for what I did. I'm in trouble that is the same relationship that we have with the church if we love it on on, on that basis then we're not applying that Jesus way concept and Paul would say that it's a misunderstanding that we look at the picture of marriage and that's where we understand yes for those of us who are struggling in our marriage we apply the Jesus way we love because we are married because we are united and he says you know what when you love your spouse it's like loving yourself and most of us do not have a problem with that that's his point When we love something for what it is and not what it does. So Paul wants us to first understand and then participate in the church as it is, the living Christ. And from that place, we're compelled to do because of what the church is, because of who Jesus is. How can the church be Jesus and Jesus be the church when we so easily mess it up? He tells us that Jesus is the fullness that fills all in all just like with us. And he reminds us that getting it wrong doesn't change what the church is. It doesn't change that fact. Because we are the body of Christ, we do the things that Jesus did. To love the church is to love Jesus. So how does this relate to us? How does this change? I mean, I think this challenges us in a lot of the way that only you know, the way that you approach church, the way that you think about church, the way that you talk about church. But I think there is ministry to be had as we come to realize this picture of an imperfect church that is the fullness of Christ. It points to this greater reality of Christ making up the difference and creating a place where we belong. It should cause us to wonder even more at the grace of Christ when we look at the broken church. We are a collection of misfits. Think about that. The church is made up of broken people, right? The the church, we're broken and we come together and Christ makes up the difference. And Paul calls us sainted misfits. That somehow we receive this identity of what he's done, but we are outsiders, we are aliens, we are strangers. The early church, the early church was mocked and looked down upon because of its members. You go and you read the, the historians of the day, which I spent way too much time doing, And they criticized the church because of its members, because of the lepers and the outcasts and the prostitutes and the dying, literally. They would fill, they would bring them in, and they were outcasts and they would come together. Picture the Old Testament was a city of refuge, right? There were these cities, there were literally cities that God had set up and he said, okay, these cities are cities of refuge. If you are guilty and you go to these places, the high priest will protect you and as long as you were in that city, you are protected. His grace covers you in those cities of refuge. Imagine living in a city of refuge, right? Think about that. People from all over that are guilty come to live in the city to get away, to get get covered by grace. Does it sound familiar? They come to these cities of refuge. And if you lived there, what would it look like? You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy Some people, that's not in the Bible, that's Star Wars, but (laughs) imagine if you are in, if you are there, who are you rubbing shoulders with? Imagine if you're in the city of refuge and you're going, man, there's a lot of messed up people here. There's a lot of guilty people here. Yeah, that's, that's why they're here. It's a picture of church. Of course we're messed up. I'm always amazed when people call out the brokenness of the church, as if they're not broken. As if, you know, as if they, the church is filled with hypocrites. One of the most common criticisms of the church. Well, if a hypocrite is somebody who cannot live up to an ideal that they hold, yeah, it's filled with hypocrites. But Christ fills all in all. Christ makes up the difference, and we continue to strive and to reach towards a goal. Which is the prize? Which is this hope of Christ? Collectively, it's something beautiful. Chris Gaston and I were talking about this, and uh, you know, he brought up this, this idea of a master painter. Have you ever seen like a master painter? Like like um, who's the curly headed guy? Bob Bob something, right? That's what everybody says, Bob something. But you think about like a master painter, and when he's painting, even the screw ups, even the mess ups. You'd never know, right? Because somehow the master just, just makes it fit. It makes it become part of, the, of this beautiful painting. And I believe that's a picture for us, for the church. Collectively, we are something beautiful. A master can take any stroke and fit it into the bigger picture. As we see Jesus as the church making up the difference in this group of misfits, making them holy and righteous, we are encouraged by what he does with us. And because of this, this morning that I can say that you belong here, that you belong here. That we've all experienced rejection. We've all experienced not being chosen, right? RCC has never asked me to play on the softball team. You don't even know RCC has a softball team. You're in the same league as me, (laughs) right? You never been invited either, right? We've all experienced rejection okay? Not being chosen. I was thinking about that this morning. Like, when does it kick off? I'll never know. Um, But but we are chosen in this. And I can say it with all confidence that you are chosen to be here this morning, that you are chosen by God, that he didn't just accidentally fall into finding you. I love the testimony, the crazy testimony about finding lost things, because I think it points to us He loves to find lost things and restore them. And that's us. This morning, you, not just collectively, but individually, that he has sought you out. He has chosen you to be a part of this city of refuge, to be a part of his church. Yes, you're messed up and you're broken, but nothing that you could have possibly done could disqualify you. Nothing. Guess what? Nobody here is here because they're so good. No one. No one is here because they're so good. We're here because Jesus makes up the difference because of what we've experienced in him and that we've been called to a hope, a glorious inheritance that Paul points to. Not one of us, not one of us can rely on the strength of our good works. And we all have a lot of maturing to do to grow up into the full measure of Christ, but there is nothing that we can do that would disqualify us from that. He brought us from death to life, from alienation to inclusion, from being an outsider to being inside. Jesus is the church, and church is the Jesus. A church as Jesus. Let me pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for your great power and the way that you have worked in our lives. Help us this morning to see the church as you, to love the church the way that we love you, Help us this morning who have felt like outsiders, who have felt disqualified and marginalized. Help us to see ourselves in this body. Thank you that you have made up the difference in us. Thank you that you have made up the difference for River City Church. Help us this morning to extend grace as we've received it. Help us to see that grace unify us in that principle this morning.